Working as a leader in the social housing and charity sector for many years, Neil Nasser is somewhat of a social activist, dedicating his free time to humanitarian causes. Neil wants to empower and inspire our youth and communities with his passion to help and hustle for humanity. He is a life coach and a mentor to adults and young people. With an ethos of giving back and not looking down on anyone unless you are willing to pick them up. Let's take some time today to understand more about the work Neil does, his values and his views. Neil, assalamu alaikum, welcome to The Progeny. Wa alaikum salam, Habibi. Thank you so much for um, having us and inviting us here. Thank you, bro, for making time for The Progeny. Um, let's start maybe by, I always do this with guests that um, come on The Progeny, is to get the viewers, the listeners to know a bit about their background, mm -hmm. their journey. Um, tell us about your journey, your background. Wow, okay, so... Um, Brought up in a mixed household to start off with. Uh, my mother's English, my father's Koja, grandfather from India, grandmother from um, Oman. I was going to say, do you have any Arab in you? So yeah, Oman's yeah. there. Oman's there. Mum's um, English, um, born and raised in uh, Gloucester, Gloucestershire. So uh, brought up in a mixed background. Father um, and mother, unfortunately, um, separated at quite a young age for myself and trying to sort of grow in an environment where um, trying to understand who I am as a person, trying to understand where I fit into society, growing up in the, uh, I don't want to give my age away, but <laughs> growing up in the uh, late seventies, early eighties in uh, rural Gloucester um, with the stigma of racism and not really fitting in into any kind of area. Um, started off life going to madrasa, um, learning Quran uh, for maybe the first five, six years of my life. And then uh, when mum and dad separated, was totally away from Islam, totally. Um, spent my teenage years heavily involved in music, the music industry, uh, DJ and producing at quite a high level. Had the... Um, some amazing experiences and the ability to kind of inspire people through um, through playing true school hip hop, hip hop that would educate people, um, keeping it back to its essence, the essence of the Zulu nation, the, the forefathers of hip hop that, that put down the guns and the violence, tra transferring the gangs of uh, New York, Black Spades into this amazing inspirational um, phenomenon, foundation, if you like, that inspired people to stop the violence and more about love unity peace and well-being um and was was amazed to be a part of that uh that journey really um was very humble to uh to work for some some major labels and to do some some big work um and as my son was born 2002 wasn't a having the ability to to travel so much um so kind of put the decks down a little bit and focused a bit more on production pre-production work um uh in the studios working with various artists from rasters to hip-hop artists to reggae stars etc and that was a really interesting concept because i could be at home be a father to my son in his early years the prime years 
and allow him to grow. These experiences allowed me to interact with different people throughout the world, to meet different people, to work for different organizations, to be charitable, to, to give back to society, to see people that were impoverished in the slums of New Orleans to the, to the, the outbacks of Africa, all the way through to the Middle East where we were traveling, you know, experienced people working very, very closely with the youth. So throughout my, my younger years and my more um, adolescent years, I, I was able to kind of inspire people at a very younger age to get back into the mental state that they needed to be in. We're surrounded, unfortunately, uh, in London with a lot of knife crime and replication of, of postcode wars and stuff that is just tearing society apart. Um, gosh I've kind of dwelled off a little bit but we you know myself and my background I was I had the ability to go into young offenders institutions my son's mother um, worked for a youth charity at the time so I was able to to engage with her and do some one-on-one -on -one mentoring and coaching and so, certainly start my career really in that and Mustafa alongside all this as well I worked full-time so well wow. yeah I, I built a career up in social housing uh, in the sector where I yeah. really enjoyed giving back to people, uh, mainly in contact centres. So I used to sit there with headphones on like this, taking calls day after day. So you you had headphones <laughs> as a DJ and headphones as yeah as, your yeah pretty much. I spent most of my life with uh, <laughs> headphones, on. so it's very comfortable for me right now. I feel very at home and very at peace. With regards to to, to the DJing, I'm just going to ask one question. Sure. What, 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 you know, you, you, you are touring the world, different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And I always say, when you travel, uh, when you meet different communities, when you get introduced to different cultures, mm. you always learn something. Yeah. Uh, for me, travel is the best way of learning when it's not boring, you can say. Because, yeah. you know, you're, you're traveling, you're enjoying your time, but at the same time, you're meeting different cultures, especially if, you're, if you don't do the classic... Uh, go on the beach and do nothing but literally go to the markets meet people go to different villages how 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 would you th do you think your character was built and looking at you today how much of an effect did those tools have on who Neil is today sure good question you know as you say every interaction I think you take a part of it with you so it's almost like you're this empty ocean, this bucket, and you're taking drips along the way to fill your own bucket and carry that through society. So you learn from different people, different interactions and different cultures, different, you know, you meet people in in the outbacks, like you say, in the marketplaces, in different interactions, just, you know, going from, from one place to another. I think that, you know, I have a, a true belief that the minute you walk outside your door and interact with somebody, you're learning something from somebody else. If and if it's mannerisms, if it's the way that they act in different situations, of course, we all go through testing times in our lives, um, and being able to kind of see people in in that are facing real traumas. You know, we don't know about traumas. We haven't got a clue, honestly. We think that this COVID virus is the trauma that we mm. can't we can't go out and we can't do this. You know, there's people that are walking. 20 miles just to get water every day the, the people that haven't got food there's people who are dying of diseases we have so much at our plate but we, we still moan so when you see people coping with these 
have these coping mechanisms you learn you learn yourself how to cope through trials and tribulations although sometimes you know we're in situations that we feel that we can't cope and we can't get through we can always reflect back on our interactions through our lives um and it how it affects me is always knowing that there's people that are in worse situations than ever I can be. I learn from, from those people and then I'm able to kind of draw that positive energy from it and think, actually, alhamdulillah, look what I do have. Look what I do have. You know, while I've, I say live on TV a lot, you know, we're so blessed to even flush our toilet with drinking water. Mm. But if you were thirsty today, would you put your head in the water, into the toilet, flush it and drink it? You know, the answer is no. But when you know there's over a billion people in the world that don't have access to clean water, those people are going to fight you to drink that water. Mm. But we'll turn our nose up at it. In fact, we'll stand in our shower for extra five minutes when we're showering in drinking water, water that's cleaner than most people are drinking around the world. One third of the world don't have access to clean water. So when you learn and you you engage with people, you see people that, that are, are, are facing real, real problems in in life, or when you read statistics, or when you engage with them at a different level, you're able to kind of bring that into your own personal life and uh, just smile and be happy. But you know, with like being from different backgrounds, you know, your your Khoja as well as, as an English background. I I thought in in school you you'd want like you know not maybe not so much primary but as you get into your secondary school you'd always try and fit in with the group. Hmm. So if, for example, I'll talk about myself. So as an Iraqi that came here, you know, back in early ninety, and then went into school, um, the first thing I looked for, probably in primary school, coming into secondary school was. The Iraqis in the school So we built our own sort of clique Where you know You're with the Iraqis You feel safe yep. you're, you're with your own You're in your comfort zone Ascent. So how how was how is it for you? Like who would you sort of feel comfortable with? Obviously you were now Not in some somewhere like London Where you could go to a school Where there's different backgrounds Maybe mm. there's only a, mo, The most The majority would be white kids I'm guessing yeah, well, mixed. Would you? Would you? Did you fit in? How, where was your comfort zone? So I didn't. Not having that kind of solid Iraqi Khoja yeah, yeah, English but, background, it was. It was a more, you know, it was a very diverse group of friends that I have. I had, and I still have. You know, from um, we all shared a love and passion of hip hop, hip hop music, hip hop culture. I would say culture more than the music in that way. We lived a very um, fun life where we would you know we would engage we also had a commonality of old school kung fu movies like to this day i still sit there on youtube watching old school kung fu movies we um and that was our commonality i had some friends within the school environment school itself um but a majority of my friends were at different schools and we would you know when that bell went we would all meet up and we would all around someone's house burning a vhs of the drunken <laughs> mantis or uh shaolin 36 chambers or, or something along those lines and listening to the latest track or, or trying to replicate something or 
you know it was, there was always growth within our within our circle and and that was a very mixed circle from white white guys to black guys to to mixed race guys and um i was probably the only one that was sort of i had this diet this mixture if you like but i felt very comfortable very accepted in that environment whereas you know some some other circles maybe i did i was a bit more shunned and not understood where were you shunned I'm gonna put you on the spot <laughs> certain um are we talking here racism or are we talking we're talking more racism i would yeah. say more more uh uneducated misunderstandings that people had uh, at the time of not knowing who i was so you felt racist uh, towards you half breed was a comment that was thrown at me so often mixed uh half cast and what are we talking here at school at you? school mainly yeah school was, was the naivety so more towards so when i when i was young i spent a lot of time in africa mm. i came over went to junior school and um my i did have hair it, the hair had turned <laughs> blonde um blue-eyed blonde hair and i came over with my cousin who is asian looking quite dark because he came from nairobi mm. and they everyone was like how can he be your cousin how can you be cousins we're like first cousins man like his dad is my dad's brother mm. and people just couldn't understand it you know i was often chased in the playground and you know got into fights etc and it was it was it was tough it was tough but you know what it was part of life and i just I, at the time i didn't think anything of it but Alhamdulillah, it makes you the man that you are today, right? Mm. It broadens your shoulders and your chest. Does it? I want to pick on this racism issue because we we, we still have this come up every now and then. Mm. Whether it was the recent George Floyd, mm. or whether it was before that, with previous incidents in the US, it's mostly the US that now now we pick up things. Yeah. It still exists everywhere. Uh, it exists in Muslim communities It exists in Western communities It exists at work It exists How have you You know I, I feel you maybe have more to give On this topic mm. Number one and This is just my take Because number one you're from A background that isn't Just Khoja or just English Or just Iraqi So you've, you've you, As you mentioned you know Sunday roast on with 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 your mother's side mm. and then with your Khoj side you can have what, what would you call it Coco Park, Coco Park. Coco Park. <laughs> coconut cream chicken yeah yeah oh, I, had, no, I, I had that one so please it's down more so so, so <laughs> you've got more of a you'll look at this from a different lens mm. um we, we we haven't come overcome the, the the problem of racism no um you faced it growing up mm. um you know, do you think that there is a solution? Do you think some communities are doing better than others? Because, you know, America is where it's happening the most. Yeah. And you're talking about a country that's supposed to be where democracy lies. Just, if we can even just go to the root, the root word race is mm. a man-made word in that respect. It's a word that was derived to divide and conquer, you know, back in 1700s. I can't even remember the date, but it's a it's a man-made word. What is race? There is only one race. That's the human race. You know, we're all human beings. And if human beings spent more time being human, humane, then that's the answer. That's the solution, right? 
understanding that we are all the same. No matter what the outer layers look like, deep within, our organs are all the same. Our blood is all the same color. We're all put on this earth for a purpose. And we all have something to give. You know, equality is the most important thing to have. That's, you know, we throw the word diversity around a lot. You know, mm. what is diversity? We're in a diverse room right now, you know. You're Iraqi, I'm what? Mix, mismash. My dad would famously say a mishmash. <laughs> um, you know, it's, um, it's about just understanding people, about understanding that, like you said in a previous question, you know, the different experiences that you can get from other people mm. and learn and grow yourself and understand yourself further understand your culture your heritage I, honestly if 90 percent of people went onto one of these websites and looked at their ancestry and went back mm -hmm. they'd be very surprised at where their origins come from mm -hmm. you know where were the first creation of life where did you know a lot of people have got mixed within them that they don't even they're not even aware of themselves is there an answer to solution to ending racism i'd probably say no I'd probably say there isn't an answer. There isn't a, a tick box solution to do this. You can't just put, you know, in, in employment, you have a diversity checklist. Where are you from? You know, you're, you're shortlisting for a job. You take that page off. So you, and you take the name off and the age off and the, the sexual orientation off. So you're not being prejudiced towards somebody. Prejudice, prejudice is always there because we're, you know, there's this instilled stuff into you to be competitive, to want to win, to want to, to get to the top, to fight to the top, to to put another person down. People are too judgmental, unfortunately, in society, whether it's in our communities, in other communities. You know, don't 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 just think it is in America, it's everywhere. It's within races as well. So within the black culture, people are are racist towards each other. Mm. In within the white culture, people are racist and prejudiced towards each other. You know, people unfortunately think by putting others down, they can rise in some way. But what they're doing is putting themselves down. But it's, sometimes I feel it's so engraved into into everything that we do. So from from school yeah. to education to what we see around us uh, to our language. I don't know. We've had this conversation before about you know yeah. the black sheep, for example, mm. or, or the fact that. Anything that's white is supposed to be good and anything that's dark is supposed to or black is supposed to be evil. Mm -hmm. And it's just again, I'm I'm not I'm not picking whether it's, it's it's in religion, books, or whether it's in, in, in as I mentioned in school and what we we're brought up. Sometimes you if you if you look back at what you've been taught mm -hmm. today and you think, Wow, you know, as I mentioned, different experiences, the experience that you went through mm -hmm might mean that maybe inside you you're racist and you don't even know it you're fed you're fed stuff that you almost unlearn you go through the curriculum the the education system to pass exams mm. to get marks on a piece of paper but what do you actually learn what do you actually take from the school education system that you can take in your life quite honestly do we invest in coaching nurturing people to actually sit down and start thinking about where they want to go in their life what are their goals and aspirations and focus their education towards that or do we just educate people like sheep towards the slaughterhouse that you can go and sit in an exam some will fail some will do good at that because some people are cut out for exams and other people aren't just by nature i'm mm. dyslexic you know i did terribly in my exams terribly 
but put me on a course where I'm doing coursework or stuff with my hands, I'm flying, excelling. You 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 put into a society where the education system you you unlearn, you unlearn, you learn what they want you to learn. The powers that be want you to learn, like you said about some of the terminology that's used, and unfortunately we buy into it. Mm. The worst thing with society is this thing we all hang on, what people hanging on their walls these days, this thing called a television. Mm. Yeah. What is the derogatory word of a television? Tell lie vision. Mm. Yeah. Break that word down. Tell lies through your vision. So people watch 50 years of Coronation Street and EastEnders and look at this dreary life where people are just, <laughs> you know, causing haram left, right and center. So-and-so's killing so-and-so, so-and-so's betrayal. betrayal and it giving all this affairs. injustice. And it, it makes it feel like you're watching that. F I don't even know how many times it's on a week. I don't own a TV. So like, I'm just, you know, whoever's watching this, mm. best thing you could do is get rid of your TV. You know, it's just feeding you propaganda, it feeds you what you want to want to watch i was speaking to somebody the other day there's something on tv mm. like reality tv is big right now, yeah yeah so you're watching people in their normal day-to-day -day lives and then someone told me there's a program where you're actually sitting there watching people watching people so yeah, 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 yeah yeah like what is you watch people watch tv what's it called watch oh, i don't even know don't advertise it what's it called yeah, we won't advertise it. Okay, but yeah, yeah. But I, they're I sitting on it, a I, sofa and they're watching, watching TV, yeah. reacting to the shows on TV, <laughs> and you're watching them watching TV. Can you believe the irony of that? Can you believe what it is? I mean, <laughs> kills me. You know what kills me? Talking <sighs> of that, what kills me is watching kids. I'm not lying. I saw my cousin. Mm. This was like before this whole COVID. He was. He had his. He had his dad's phone, and he's. I'm, I won't mention him. Mm. Not that he watches this podcast anyway, so he doesn't really care. <laughs> it's not his age. But he was watching he was watching a video on YouTube of a kid of another kid playing another game. So he wasn't actually playing the game. He was watching someone else playing it. So I was like and he was there for hours. I was like, What are you doing? Why don't you just go and play in the game? He goes, No, 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 I'm enjoying this. He was actually watching someone else play a game. Kids do that nowadays, oh. right? Yeah, you do that. <laughs> so, you watch somebody play in a game. They watch say watch someone else play a game. So they're not playing; they're just watching. And it was that thing, Minecraft. Not yeah, Minecraft. Is it, what is it called? Yeah, one of those games. That what's the benefit in that though? And what's it doing to your mind? What's it doing to yourself? Like literally, we talk about television, soap operas, and stuff like that. Are just feeding your. There's people that make a living like that. You know? They make a living. People <laughs> are making livings out of it. Ah, uh, I'm telling you, it, it it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But you, you know, and they're you're, called successful. Someone that's successful. That's another form of, of thing that's corrupting people. These games, right? Mm. You know, some of them, you're, you're killing someone, you're going around, you're stealing the car, you're, you go to a <laughs> brothel, you go to a strip bar, you do this, you do that. I'm like, come on, man. Like, what? how is this? What's this telling you about life? That this is okay to do? It's feeding something within your own psyche? Where's peace, love, and unity gone? Where's all this gone? Like even the culture of hip hop. We talked about hip hop, right? And we touched yeah. on hip hop. I was a true school DJ, right? I I was offered a very lucrative contract to play on a, a on a nice radio station, and you know what? I tore the contract up. Why did I tear the contract up? Why? You're like, why? Because they wanted me to play commercial music. Music. So a lot of radio stations are paid to play. Yeah. Yeah. Pay to play this tune. Pay to pay that. There's no freedom in it. There's no autonomy. You know what time my radio show was on? What time? Four till six in the morning. Wow. 
That's the slot on a big radio station. Mm. But you know what? I took the slot because I had freedom to play what I wanted to educate the masses. I had a massive following in Australia. It was great. It was great down under. But I, honestly, you know, the way that that culture, people buy into that culture, like it, it, that's it's okay to kind of, what's all this mumble rap and all this, I don't know, stuff that's going on. I don't follow music anymore, unfortunately, to even give you a thing. But I can talk about what was going on in the 70s yep. and what was happening about love, peace, unity, you know, people having togetherness, people coming together to, to break um, down warfare and gang warfare and to, to, to stop the violence, the whole stop the violence movement that was created through that, through pioneers like Africa Bambata, KRS-One, BDP. Um, and then you, you, you now go into a, a society where it's okay to kind of kill each other through trap, whatever mm. they're calling it. Like it's okay to shank someone. <laughs> you, 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 people that watch the show, listen to the show, they know that we usually ask our guests to pick a word that means something to them. Mm. The word that you've picked is humanity. That's right. And you know, you, 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 Neil Nasser is someone that dedicates his life to humanitarian causes. Yep. What does that mean? And and why? What, what's human? What, why did you pick that word? The word means so much to me because I just, as I said, that we're all human beings, right? We need to understand that we're all human beings. There's so much problems in the world because we just don't understand ourselves and the people that are around us. We don't understand that we're all the same. We have our own battles. There's a certain yin and yang in equilibrium within each other that we can all feed off. Humani humanity, humanitarian work, that's whole, that whole ethos of giving back, that whole ethos of growing each other, A, is, is part of our religion, right? I'm fair in terms of yourself, Mustafa, you know, I'm fairly new to the religion, right? The years that I've been in the religion and I sit under member, I, I read, I can only see that our holy imams, peace be upon them, the prophet, peace be upon him, were true humanitarians. They were the ones that instill in you mm. to love your neighbor, to yep. give to the poor, to look after the orphan. Now, prior to even going in, being taken up on this religion and this path, you know, I would work for charities. I would work for different organizations where it would be people just going out, giving food to the homeless or traveling to, to other countries to, to help people that were more impoverished or shoe charities to go and put shoes on people's feet. You know, simple things. Understanding that you can help help your neighbor we, you know, I ask many people, we read the Quran, alhamdulillah, the book, like literally, mm. I'm, I've been learning to read Arabic for the last three years. I'm actually able Inshallah. to read it, alhamdulillah, Beautiful. slowly. Amazing. But how many of us have read the Torah, the Old Testament? How many of us have read the Bible? Like read it properly, like the way that we know the Quran in and out, like you can, I watch your thing. Can you quote, you can quote had, um, ayah quite easily, but can you quote something from the Bible? Probably not. When you read the trilogy, I'm going to call it the trilogy, right? Because I'm from the Star Wars era, okay? I'm going to, I love trilogies and I love, I love Star, Star Wars. Wars, man. Balance. Balance the best. 
Let's talk a bit Star Wars. Oh my <laughs> days! Come on, man! I, I, I woke up this morning and I watched yeah. the, the yesterday's episode of Mandalorian. That's how deep it is. I love it, man. <laughs> I'll sit there and watch cartoons and all that at my ripe old age. Why not? Let's not go into Star Wars. Okay, no. it's too much. <laughs> but when you read the trilogy of books, God's words, God's work, if you like, right? The the message that comes through is about humanity, right? Love thy neighbor famous quote from the bible mm. we have the same in our in our in our in our scriptures yep you know love the wayfarer look after the wayfarer of the parent the orphan the needy the neighbor that's close neighbor that's far away surah nisa 100% right um people are of two kinds your brother in religion in faith yep or your equal in humanity there you go there you it's go all about humanity you know i mentioned this uh, Sorry to, to, to uh, uh, I want I want you to speak about the humanitarian causes, but I just want to mention this before I forget this point. Please. And I mention it every time I come to the surah about that the Ahl Bayt, which this uh, verse was revealed about, or the whole surah, in fact, was revealed about them, about you know when the when the when the needy, uh, the orphan, and the captive come knocking on their door. Yeah. You know, after they've been fasting three days, uh, right? Three days they come. On the first day, the needy comes knocking on the door and says, "You know, give me some food to eat." And they give away their food, and they break their fast with bread, and uh, with some dry bread and some water. The second day, it's uh, it's an orphan, and the third day, it's a captive. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very f- famous story. Everyone that's 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 attended any majlis would have definitely heard it. Um, anyone that's that's that knows stories about the Ahl Bayt would know the story, but sometimes people forget to mention that when these, when the needy, the 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 the, the, the orphan and the captive came knocking on the door, mm. Imam Ali didn't come out and say, "Where are you from? Mm. What's your background? Are you a Muslim?" Mm. In fact, I came across a, a, an explanation of this verse which mentioned most probably the captive was a non-Muslim. Because why is he a prisoner? That means he must have been a prisoner of war. That means he was not, most probably, he was he was not a Muslim. But the Ahl Bayt didn't come out and say, you know what, I'm not going to give you because you're not a Muslim. I'm not going to give you because you're not an Arab. I'm, they didn't even ask that question. It no. didn't even cross their mind. Why would it occur to them? To why would that? they? It's a human knocking on the door that's, that's in it. need. That's it. And they're giving. That's it. Whereas now, I'm going to look at your color, your skin color, your faith, where you're from. It's my relation We've forgotten Humanity Yeah totally That's why It's the word that I chose My brother like, Literally Honestly we, we forget about We are all part of One race The yeah. human race mm. Forget the outer layers Forget the layers of the onion How many layers are on an onion You take that skin off It's all the same colour underneath mm. Every onion <laughs> It's the it's same, same. colour We're all the same Honestly We don't We should never question what we're giving you know people say to me why do you work with the homeless why do you give them they're just drunks they're drug addicts uh, sometimes i go and buy them a meal deal sandwich okay alhamdulillah you feel good about that whatever that's great do what you're doing but what do you do when you that meal do you sit down with them and eat it do you spend time with them you know anyone that's that's in need i guarantee you if you spend 10 minutes sitting down with them having a conversation with them you know away from covid Sit with them Like just Be in their circle Have a conversation With a human being Because they're human beings At the end of the day Right mm. What do we miss more 
And this this COVID situation, everybody is missing each other, right? The isolation. Mm. Everyone's getting a taste of what it's like to be isolated, to be socially distanced from each other, not to be able to engage with each other. What if the only person they talk to for the whole day is you? Mm. Yeah? You know, have you ever had to beg? You ever had to sit on the street and put your hand out to anybody? Have you ever had to do it, Mustafa? No. Have you ever asked just, anyone for any help or money, support? I'm just like I've been okay. Have you ever slept on the hard floor? Like, Maybe once during Seattle. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. You so experienced. I did. Hard I did. I did the 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 sleep on somewhere uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, which was the who's Hussein? Mm -hmm. um, Thing that you did, I think, was seventy-two for seventy-two. Yeah, campaign. Seven, yeah. So, so I, I, I did that campaign. I felt I slept somewhere uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Alhamdulillah. Uh, for a few hours, I tried sleeping for a few hours, but I couldn't do it. I was awake most of the night. It's difficult, right? But, but it, it makes you think. Yeah, it's just a taste. That's you know, it's just a taste Drop of what it's like. You know, dropping the ocean. Of totally water. in that respect, and it was done in this COVID era. Normally, in a normal situation, we would spend seventy-two hours mm, sleeping on the streets. We would do that because we're trying to get a flavor of what's going on, but also to raise awareness of homelessness. But in that respect, that 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 moment of dignity where you have to put your hand out to somebody as a human being and ask for help. That takes so much courage and so much strength. So much. It's That's so why the Ahl Bayt never turned away anyone begging. Ever. You ever. Know, always no. walk with some small change because you never know, right? I think mm. this is, Imam Ali salam says this. Always have, you might not want to give that big note, but you might want to have give thing. I, I honestly say from the heart, as a human connection, yeah, give a few pounds, give the meal deal, give whatever you, you want to give in that way, but give your time. Baba, your time is so important and you might be busy, but how many hours of the day, you know? Are you doing nothing? <laughs> we do nothing. 840,000 8, seconds in a day, I think. No, maybe not. Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of time that you have, right? Yep. And honestly, to spend five minutes sitting down with somebody. 86,400 seconds. 86, there you go. In, in uh, that's phenomenal amount of time, right? To spend five minutes. Azhar, may Allah bless his soul. Amazing. He mentions this number eighty six thousand four hundred, and he says, "Imagine someone comes to you mm. and gives you eighty six thousand four hundred pounds, yeah, a day, yeah, or dollars." Mm. But he says. This person that gives you the 86,400, he puts it in your bank account mm -hmm. and he tells you the only term that I have for you is that after the 24 hours, whatever's left in the account would be taken back by me. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I'd give you another 86,400 pounds or dollars, whatever currency. Yep. And every day you have that money in your account. The only term is after 24 hours, whatever's left in the account gets taken out of the account by the person giving it to you. He says any logical human being, any logical person, what they'd end up doing is making sure that 86,400 pounds that's in their account, it's withdrawn and used. They yeah. wouldn't leave anything in their account, right? No. Because they wouldn't want to waste it. You're yeah. getting it every day. So you make sure that every single pound in that account is used by you. you he says Allah gives you 86,400 minutes a day. Seconds. Seconds a day. Mm. 
and the only and the, he applies the same term. He says, uh, you, once that time is gone, yeah. it's that's it. You're not getting get back. What are we doing with that time that we have? Yeah, we're wasting most of it. Wasting most of it, right? Wasting most of it. You know, we we we're on social media, flicking through. We do this, we do that. We waste a lot of time. You know, the the productiveness of of society. You know, society says you work nine to five. You know, are you being productive during that time, or are you just doing actions to fill that time? The normally the day to day work you can do within three hours, and what could you fill your destiny? The most successful people in this world will wake up five o'clock in the morning. Mm. Alhamdulillah, we we are told to wake up in the early hours of the morning mm. to pray our fajr, and and you know people should listen, be praying their fajr. Like, don't miss that that opportunity. It's the yeah. best salah, I must say, that you can do the salah to lay before it if you can. Why go back to sleep? The this, most successful people in the world, are, uh, maybe even non-Muslims, will wake up three four hours before we would mm. because they know that it gives them. An extra three, four hours on top of what we have. And what can you do with that time? How productive can you be with that time? How organized can you be with that time? Again, Imam Ali alayhi salam. I'll go back because his life is, is you know, it's all lessons. Uh-huh. On, 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 um, on the 19th of Ramadan, when he is struck by the sword, mm. there's two things I want to point. First, uh, um, the, the, the word success is thrown a, a lot. You know, this person is successful. Yeah. This person's got a lot of money. I always ask my guests, you know, how would you define success? Mm. And interestingly, before um, uh, this podcast, I was I was doing some madrasa class online, mm. and then I c- came across this 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 um, line of Imam Ali, which was "Fustuwarabil Kaaba," by the Lord of the Kaaba, I have attained success. Yeah. And I said, you know what? The definition that the Ahlul Bayt have put out for us of success is definitely not what we're doing right now. No. And number two is talking of, of, of you know, the wake, waking up before the sun and everything. Again, Imam Ali, salam, when he's carried after he's struck by the sword, he looks at the sun mm. and he speaks to the sun. He addresses the sun and he says, bear witness to Allah. He speaks, you know, oh sun, make sure you bear witness to, 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 to my Lord that you've never risen before me. Wow. That I've always been awake before you have risen. Wow. And that tells you something. And for, for a man that, that he's the only person ever to say that I have succeeded at the time of death. Mm. He's just got struck by a poisoned sword on his head. And he's just said, I've now attained success. So what is success? There you go. And there my, you go. I mean, you know, we're talking about one of the greatest ever you know when my path coming back to the faith was through learning about this amazing phenomenal figure like who is this guy i i remember i can remember watching this lecture where i heard about the khaybar where he rips the doors off Mm. and then 10 minutes later he can't even break bread Mm. and i remember uh we were burying my grandmother peace you know May her soul rest in peace And going to a mosque And reading a quote on the wall A quote that I've used for so many years And thought it was roomy mm. <laughs> About the um, stars always shine in the darkest places And then finding out that this 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 guy Imam Ali And I'm like who is he? Who is he? Who is he? And then literally that's my pathway in Is that how, how you started 
as you call it hustling for humanity i've you always hustled. Yeah, yeah, hustled. i've always hustled for humanity like i've always done it what did you learn from imam ali and islam when it comes to this well that's what we should be doing like literally i can't believe that our community are not doing the work that i do not all of them but everybody you know there are people that do it yeah but more people like more people that should be listening to what if we're supposed to be replicating the life of the prophets and Bayt, right Mm. the purified people to walk in to walk in their footsteps to to act like them i don't understand why we're not doing more like united we will stand and we will can change the world i always say to people i don't think that you as an individual you're going to change humanity you're going to be the one that's going to make a difference to everything but you yourself have the power within yourself to change the world for one or two people I could go out here right now and like I say, go and sit down with someone that's homeless and I've made that guy's day, week, month. Like he'll remember that for so long. It's been that interaction because I have that ability, that power to do that. The stories that you hear from the member, the stories that I, when I came and I sat down and I was listening to the lectures and I was reading books, I was like, wow, this is what they did. They do what I do. I can't, you know just all makes sense that's why it just all made sense to me to like follow this path because this if this is what we should be doing you know there's so many verses in the quran and i used to think what's that mean what does that mean salah and zakah what does that mean what does it mean and when you read the transliteration so many different transliterations that there will tell you different things but mm. it was about giving charity i was like a teenager and i was like heavily i used to love different kind of sport so I, w- I would try and do triathlon you know what triathlon is swimming cycling running yep right and my first one i did a biathlon which was in sirencester swimming and running okay right straight off there's no break you just yeah, carry yeah, yeah, on yeah. right and uh, i did this first one and i i was raised i went around my estate to live on an estate and i was getting sponsors for the premature baby unit at gloucester royal hospital because somebody had told me something about prematurity and i'd learned it i must have been 13 12 i didn't even know what age i was my mum, mm. she listened to his mum. maybe you can tell us how yeah. old i was but i raised a hundred pounds and hundred pound back then it's quite a lot again i'm not going to give my age away you've but already given lot. your ear <laughs> <laughs> there weren't the pound coins they were pound <laughs> notes right so <laughs> they were green um but yeah you know like i've i've always kind of hustled in some sort of way i've always just felt like that term hustling for humanity i've always had this ethos about it you know my mother's an angelic person and she's very giving and very you know giving me this kind of ethos in my life that that this is you know this is what you should be doing like you need to be just continuing to help people you know i i as a as a role model and and an example so the one that brought me up i would see her doing so much for other people so much for other people whether it's elderly neighbors whether it's family members whether it's just people she doesn't even know and you know it's a great example and then you come to the path and you learn about these amazing immaculate household and the 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 prophets and you think okay wow like this all makes sense it's like a piece of jigsaw right the epiphany moment ding the light switches on this is right keep hustling man keep hustling
you've been doing a lot of youth work. Um, you're now doing coaching as well. You're a life coach. You're a mentor for all. not only young young people as well as adults. Um, how did you get into that? And why did you choose sort of this path? I know you've got now. Yeah. You've organized something like your own sort of organization. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? Um, NMN. Okay. So my initials, Neil Michael Nasser, NMN okay. Life Solutions. Okay. So we deliver coaching, mentoring, and training. So all different levels of training, coaching, engagement, and mentoring. But how did it all start? Oh my gosh, I just fell into it, to be honest with you, Mustafa. I literally just fell into it. So um, having quite a lot of life experience, mm -hmm. it kind of gave me the, the emphasis to get involved with youth work, uh, mid 90s i would say um youth work more local getting involved with young offenders institutions my my son's mother was working for a charity at the time um and then just kind of reaching out to people that i knew that were facing trials and tribulations that needed guidance unfortunately society today there's not many great male role models right people that can can inspire young people young men generally mm. to kind of you know what do you want to be what do you want to do with your life how do you want to get there how do you create a path caught up in gang culture in in stuff that is just you know breaks your heart to to see that you know i remember one of the first people that i was mentoring told me that when he goes to school just take three buses mm. but his school's just over there it's like, what do you mean? I don't understand it. I have to go that way, that way, that way, that way, because I can't go through this area. If wow. I get seen in this area, I'm going to get shanked. I'm going to get stabbed. For your viewers, this street talk, sorry. I'm going to get stabbed or I'm going to get set upon. It just broke my heart to even understand that. So having this close connection, having a son myself that was growing up, in midst of South London, understanding the uh, the perils that they're going to face. You know, my son is my my greatest coach. I've coached and mentoree because I've I've learned from him and I've you know, alhamdulillah, invested in him so much. Like he's mm. just a ball of positive energy because you're able to drip drip feed him along the way. Um, but in terms of the mentoring and the coaching, I just fell into it. I was I've. I've always worked within contact centers of social housing. Um, I've, I've always specialized in communication. I've always specialized in that area of it, that niche of it. I worked with the Institute of Customer Service many years ago. Um, and Alhamdulillah, was trained as a developer of people um, in the art of communication, in the art of, of, of um, coaching and developing and bringing the best out of people. Then as a leader, moving on to more leadership roles, um, it wasn't about managing people. It was about bringing the best out of people. And I had some great people along the way that taught me, but not only taught me, coached me and got me to a certain stage. And I just got a love for developing people, seeing people prosper and seeing people grow. Um, the end result is just phenomenal. When you get those snippets of where, you know, I, I was coaching somebody early 2000s and um, this this young man went off to New Zealand and I just didn't, hear from him again and then all of a sudden i was asked to be his referee and to know that he got married and had kids and wow. he became like a ceo of a company and his dream comes out so you see it within people that you 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 have the ability to kind of i can see something in you 
I can see it. Can you see it? How do we move this person forward? How do we develop this person forward? Why do you think it's it's important for, again, people you, our age, yep. people that are maybe now in their mid-30s, mm. the 40s, um, why do you think it's important for them to invest in the next generation? Because I feel, and again, I'm going to probably rock the boat a bit. You know, <laughs> you know with... with with, with the, I'm talking about our, our, our communities. Mm. This is not this is not maybe my opinion, but just throwing it out there. You know, are we doing things the right way with our youth? Where when they come to our centres, mm. is it just about a medlis listening to a forty-five minutes lecture by a religious scholar? Yeah, and then um, having some food, chilling, chai, and then going home. Is this is this the way forward? You know, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying, is this the way? How, how we, and then and then a few a few when we start getting a few kids getting into trouble or facing problems, we're like, oh, why are they in trouble? Why are they doing drugs? Or why are they in prison? Or I don't know. When we've let the street control what they do, and yeah. the mosque has just been going listen to a lecture and then leaving. Why is there not, why, and I got back to the first question, which is why isn't more people investing in future generations? It baffles me, to be honest with you, that we don't. Again, what, maybe what motivates you to invest? And then maybe that will mo motivate others to. Because I, I, see, I, I see that you have the ability to grow people, to, to, to in, inspire people and to help people because you can see the future potential in, in, in our youth. They are, like you said, in the intro they're the next generation right mm. they're the ones that are going to be our leaders and within us maybe even within this room right now there might be the future leader of this country but if no one invests in that person and gives that person that energy and that positivity and that ability to believe within themselves that they can grow and prosper then who else is doing it is the setup right at the moment in our centers it's great to have the majlis it's great to have the chai is that's brilliant to get that lecture but we need to do more to engage with the youth more i won't say programs but there needs to be more people that are going to help inspire and grow the youth to be to get to get to their fullest fullest potential um and to to un, to, to go back to the ahlul bayt salam like literally that's what they were doing right you know that's what they would do with people around them they would they would grow people they would help people they would nurture the youth the the holy imams their children as they grew and nurtured and and became imams themselves they would not look down on people unless they're willing to help them that's the that's line right. yeah that's the line literally you know you see so much youth i see listen i see people because i don't live a conventional life like you would may live a conventional life you know i'll be up still hang out on the street corners i still speak to people who are still you know shot in and, and doing all sorts of craziness you know because i'm trying to inspire and help people to change their lives and i see people from our own communities in these environments mm. and you think to yourself the streets get to you right we're they're sold a culture they're sold a culture from their their friends their peers their education even the way that they speak there's a street culture within it, right? Too much, too many of, I'm not even going to say your generation because you're a lot younger than me. My generation, 
You know, I'm looking at those seats now. I can't, I can't be sitting on the floor too long. I need to be sitting on those seats soon. I need to be in the departure line. <laughs> but they just don't know how to engage with with young people. They don't know how to. I'm talking like the majority. I'm not. There are pockets yeah, that people that are, are fantastic. People doing amazing work. There's yeah. people doing amazing work, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm not trying to sort of blanket everybody. But again, you know, the centres, the federations, the higher up. There are some movements where they're trying to invest more in young people and, and make changes, but there just needs to be more of it. There needs to be more of a buy-in. How do we build that bridge? Where, where do you, where, what's missing? Where, and again, this is, this is for Khojas, Iraqis, mm. Iranians, Afghans. You know, I'm talking again, just our communities. Yeah. And I'm talking about communities, not just in the UK. Um, I've had the honor of traveling to parts of the US, parts of Canada during Muharram. And I see also that that's the first sort of thing I'm spoken about or the first thing that's sort of mentioned is, oh, the elders want to do this, but we want to do this. The youth want to do this. And then I always realize there's there's something missing. I, I, I don't know maybe mm. the, the, the right answer. I don't know if there's one right answer. I'm sure there's many yeah. different answers, but from your work, from your hustling, yeah, from your... Um, investing alhamdulillah in the future generations and the youth that you've worked with how do you think we can bridge the gap between the elders and the youth in our communities i mean you're right in saying there's not one solution there's many there's many doors and there's many locked keys and we've got to find the right key to fit the right door the mm. door is the youth and the key is the answer the resolution there's not one blanket thing that you can do to one person there may be for a group of people need to understand the person invest the time and to get to know the person what makes them tick where they're drawing their inspiration from where they're getting their values from etc almost creating the key to fit their lock once you're able to get the key in the lock is able to turn that lock once you're able to turn that lock you're able to open the door once you're able to get inside the room that they're in the room the person that's when you can start investing but it takes time but it takes commitment and it can happen. It can happen. It just It's just people dedicating time to people, speaking their language, understanding the things that they're going through. Some of the things that I've talked about today on this podcast, and I've only just touched it, literally is like tip of the iceberg. Mm. You know, that some of the, the things that young people are going through in our communities right now, it, it saddens me. It saddens me that we don't have that mentorship within our communities and our mosques why is it you can go to work and you have like a mental scheme where you i can be a coach and a mentor for somebody in my work mm. or i can buddy a mm. new person that started right they can mm. like six week buddy right for some mm. new person that comes in but we don't we don't have mentorships we don't have coaching in our mosques and we don't have a buddy system so if a revert that looks like me comes into a mosque let me just say one of the hardest things i've ever had to do is to walk into a center first time you know, it's like a swallow that metaphoric bravery pill and walk in mm. there and sit at the back quietly when no one spoke to me and then sneak away at the end it's one of the hardest things to do as somebody is well, i'm not really a revert but i can imagine being a revert right so imagine what the revert imagine what the revert's like you know we don't have a buddy system where oh you're new to the mosque how are you doing da, 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 da. speak their language I do want to bring this up, but what did you, but I'm now I'm going to sorry. Did, right. did you feel racism within our own communities? Closed answer: 
Yes. Open answer? Yes. Probing answer? Yes. Still do. Like, come on, literally. I, I, yes. <laughs> Mustafa. It's there. Of course it's there. It's not only there directed at me, I see it directed at so many other people. You know, uh, people that come into communities, people that are backbiting about other people. It's sad, very sad, very, very sad. You know, of, of course, again, people. I don't want to get all of a sudden people thinking that we're doing this. To, you know, these are fa these are things that exist. Of course, they exist. They existed during the time of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They exist today. If they existed then, you know, when the when there's a Holy Prophet, when there's an, you know, there's. I always mention the story about Bilal, mm. where people would come and say to the Holy Prophet, you know, allow Bilal reading Adhan. You know, yeah. let's find someone else. And they weren't doing it because they wanted someone with a better voice. No. They were doing it because of his skin color. They were doing it because they saw him as someone that was lower than them. Yep. Um, but they were, you know, making it out like, oh no, he can't pronounce the sheen, I think. Yeah, he doesn't say like ashadu, he says ashadu from what I've heard. Or, you know, so they'll pick on something. And if they if it existed then, and we talk about it, and then all of a sudden now we mention oh it exists today like no 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 don't don't say that it exists today we just need to find solutions and I think with the help uh, of your soul and other people in, in the community and they're doing amazing fantastic work I yep. see it everywhere yep. you know I don't want to mention mosques but I see it everywhere in London that the mosques around me north south mm -hmm. in the west I've seen I've seen alhamdulillah our mosques our youth are doing more work maybe not recently because of covid yeah I've seen more stuff online and subhanallah by the way yeah now that everything's gone online I've seen alhamdulillah the youth have taken sort of that step forward because they they're they're they, in they with they the technology. technology yeah exactly so they've sort of stepped forward yeah. and made sure that there's programs happening for for, for, for the youth mm. so I think once covid is over there's going to be a lot of changes inshallah yeah I hope there is. I hope New it normal. continues. I, yeah, I hope it does. I hope this. So there's some positivity, inshallah. Of course, there's definitely positivity within it. I think, you know, this recent Black Lives Matter movement, this this George Floyd uh, thing that's happened, it's kind of, it's brought it to people's attention, but it's great. And I, I think that it's always good to have that kind of focus. But the focus needs to continue. It needs to just be part of our culture society growing helping developing people we need to um we need it just needs to be the done norm so it's like not the new norm this is the norm we, we we would accept we would sit down and have chai with somebody that's not from our community you know and say salamu alaikum to somebody that is praying next to you just because they don't look like you mm. believe you me you peel that layer that onion mm. inside the onion looks the same, same. again come on man same like blood 2020 that's where we are that's that's the year you know we're apartheid we've gone through so much we've gone through mlk we've gone through malcolm x we've gone through <laughs> frederick Douglass, yeah. 18 hundreds abolition of slavery born into slavery became a free man became an advisor of the president of the time 1800s i don't think we know much about history we know much about our own history but we don't know much about even our own i think our, by the way well maybe i uh, yeah i guess so i guess so because if we did uh, we'd be different 
Well, See, that's the thing. We we do know, but true. we want. So for example, again, I don't want to pick on the same point about racism. But for example, we'll all be like, "Oh, John, the great companion of Imam Al Hussein. Yeah. He was black, and Imam Al Hussein put his cheek on his cheek, and he mm. cried, and John and John, and then a few months later, when some when a black brother comes to mm. propose to. The, Someone's daughter They're like But you're black Yeah Or if they won't say it They'll think it So it's yeah. like Even if we do know our history It's how we're Following it And what we're learning what we from learn from it, it. And, Exactly And talking of Imam Hussein Salam Allah I want to uh, Ask Finally you know, about, about I know you're part of Who's Hussein Yes So I want to know What's what's the latest What's happening What was How was your Muharram campaigns Yeah Because um, you're, you're part of it Alhamdulillah I am, alhamdulillah, again I kind of fell into being a part of uh, Who's Hussein, the creation of the London team So mm-hmm. Who's Hussein has got many different chapters around the world I'm part of the London team helping to formulate the food drive uh, Homeless food drive, we work heavily on mm-hmm. on that and in that area I, The the reason I, I, I do enjoy working for that specific charity I work for other charities as mm-hmm. well It It is the, the fact that it allows... The ethos is to help people within your local area with local causes. So if you're in Africa, you're helping with medicine. Mm-hmm. If you're in another area, you might be helping with orphans. Or if you're in Flint, USA, you help with the dirty water and give out clean water or lunches or whatever it is. So in London, homelessness, over 8,000 people every night sleep homeless on the streets. 8,000 in a 12-mile radius. Ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of uh, that, who's the same movement is phenomenal. The Muharram campaign was hope, giving hope out because that's what we, we our ethos is to try and install hope into people. Um, and the work that we're doing is continuous. So we have people still ask me, "You still doing the food drive? You still doing the food drive, bro?" Well, we never stopped. We like, never stopped. Yeah, uh, we were sometimes it was like twenty eight days. We were going across Westminster Bridge during the big cold, the big lockdown. With a, a car full of food There's no cars there Alhamdulillah you get there From south to wet to central Really quickly um, But you know unfortunately Queues and queues and queues of people And uh, you know the, the I was down there a couple of weeks ago And the numbers are just Unbelievable You know we'd feed maybe 100 people You're looking at maybe 200 people now in the queue With the influx of refugees Coming into the country um, people just in need. Do another food drive local to me, and it's near a hospital. Mm-hmm. And again, this it's another crazy thing because everyone says, "Thank you, NHS. Thank you so much for the <laughs> NHS for staying open and helping us." But why have I got nurses in my food drive queue? Why are nurses coming for food? Oh, wow, nurses and doctors training. They, why are you doing? Oh, because we're working seventy hours a week, and we've got thirty hours of study in a week, and we can't afford to feed ourselves. Um, okay This is crazy So you've got nurses that are saving our lives Everyone wants to clap for How many weeks was the clapping going on? Weeks Yeah exactly Well done That made a real difference to the mm. nurses' lives Made them feel great You know When they're standing in the in the, in the the queue to ask for food Wow Yeah great Well done NHS Well the work that you guys are doing uh, And you for, know what I think Sorry I for think, the sarcasm No no It's it <laughs> I think who's Hussein needs and has been empowering people to do more. Mm. It's encouraged people that maybe um, 
weren't really up for volunteering outside their own communities because yeah. it comes down to that. I know we've spoken about you know doing things for your own community, and but you know at the end of the day, as I mentioned, the Ahl Bay didn't see people as just you know people of different colors or races or people of different nations. They saw them as humans, mm. and I think it goes back to empowering our youth. Mm. To be examples in the West for the Ahl Bayt and to show that, that the Ahl Bayt and the Holy Prophet who we've seen recently in France and with the attacks on the the character of the Holy Prophet, that it's now become a duty upon us to show the true characteristics of the Holy Prophet. And I feel that who is Hussein does that amazing work. Uh, I wish you guys the best. Thank you so much. Inshallah, more people can get involved. Inshallah. Uh, I, hope, I hope people do. The opportunities are there. The greatest feeling is you turn up uh, to a food drive and someone recognizes you and they say, oh, you're with Hussein, aren't you? <laughs> and you say, yeah, I'm with Hussein. You know, for me, it's just like this person who's not spoken to anyone, not had any food all day and is in the cold, wet, and you stand there with him in the cold and wet. And he says, you're with Hussein. You know you're living those true Husseini values. Yeah, those ones that live deep down in your heart that you get from listening to the Majalis. Well, you know what? I'd like to thank you for, for making time, alhamdulillah, for you know coming da- all the way from south. No problem. Um, Thanks for, for this podcast. Us. But I usually do this quick fire round. Okay. Uh, which, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Go for it. In a minute. And I want you, I want you to answer the first thing that comes to mind. So 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 try do not I, to think too to, much. Do I need to limber up first? Stretch a little bit. Yeah, why not? Let's stretch. We usually get these done in less than a minute. Okay. So because um, there's only a few. No pressure. But um, no pressure. Uh, first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Oh, you got the timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> That's why it's there. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. If you could buy one type of food right now, what would it be? Pizza. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Say alhamdulillah. What is your biggest addiction? My vape. Best ever Arsenal football player? Thierry Henry. What is, did you, you didn't win the Champions League with him, did you? Thierry Henry. Okay, I'm just pointing that you didn't win the Champions Thierry League Henry. with him. But he won at Barcelona, okay. What is, <laughs> <laughs> what is one of the things you would put on your bucket list? Quickly, quickly. Uh, to be like you, Mustafa. <laughs> You're better. Uh, where would you go if you were invisible? Um, San Francisco. Okay. <laughs> you know, we've had that answer twice now. Who is your favorite car- cartoon character and why? Spider-Man. Why? The web slinger. What is one thing you have always wanted to do? Um, but you haven't had the, the time to do it. Spin on my head. Okay, I'm sure you can do that. What is the first thing you notice about someone when you first meet them? Their smile. What is one thing about yourself that annoys you the most? Um, my hairstyle. <laughs> what is your favorite <laughs> thing about your mother? Oh my gosh Her eyes May Allah bless her If you could trade lives with anyone for a day Who would it be? 
We're out of time, but we need an answer. Oh my gosh. Uh, trade lives with someone. I would trade lives with. I don't know. That's a hard one, bro. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm trying to think who I trade lives with. I trade lives with the Prime Minister so I could make some changes in 24 hours. Perfect. Neil Nasser, thank you for your time. Thank you from the podcasting. Thank you so much for having us. May Allah reward you, inshallah.